This week on the Fistful of Cash podcast, we talk way too early NBA predictions, in addition to some PGA action, helping you get geared up for the weekend where the course is going to get absolutely obliterated and scores are going to get wild. Get your notebooks, guys. You're not going to want to miss any of these picks. Here we are, week three of the Fistful of Cash podcast. We are back with some hot picks and takes for the weekend to help you guys line your pockets and better yet, make your fistful of cash. I'm here with the host of all co-hosts, Soup. What's going on, bro? Nothing much, man. Um, hoping the audio is a little bit better this week. I'd like to apologize for that. Uh, some poor choices made on my part, but we're ready to go. Huh? Well, we should be able to knock it out. Yeah, last week was a little bit... Weird. It, it it sounded different in my headset and when I was editing uh, before we actually put it out. So yeah, again, apologies around on the audio. Hopefully, this is going to be a lot better, a lot more clear for everybody. But we want to go ahead and get started. Um, let's get started with some way too early NBA picks. Um, they released the list of end of season award odds, and uh, you know, I, I know you already. You've got some strong opinions, so I'd like to hear what you got um, as far as MVP. Um, MVP, realistically, LeBron James. I mean, he's, he's going to get it. He's going to improve the Lakers 15, you know, 15, 16, 17 wins. Um, but hear me out on this, uh, okay. guys, odds that I like Joel Embiid's coming in at a plus 1600. Oh, so the East coast, we can, you know, we can agree that it's a two horse race. It's the Sixers. It's the Celtics. If right. the Celtics, you know, yes, they're going to have Gordon Hayward back. Yes, Kyrie is going to be healthy. But that limits time for guys like Terry Rozier and guys like Jalen Brown, guys who really carried them throughout the playoffs last year. If the Sixers can win the East, Joel Embiid will have an argument for MVP. And I say this because he only played 30 minutes a game last year. Um, average 23 and 11, a guy like Anthony Davis who played 36 or 37 minutes, average 28 and 11. Okay. Throw and beat on the floor for another five, six minutes. If you're telling me that he's not going to get another five or six points, you're crazy. You know, the guy's only been playing basketball since 2011. Uh, he's, you know, seven years in, he's only going to get better every single year. Um, at some point he will win MVP in his career. I would and agree I think with that. This year he might have a chance. Okay. And I think that's fair. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. The the East is definitely a two horse race. And I think that if he goes out and if he can get if he can stay healthy, I mean that's the biggest thing. Right. I have no problem with him, you know, saying Embiid for MVP is a good call if he can stay healthy. I mean, and that's that's really gonna be the thing, you know, and he's he's magnetic when he's on the, when he's on the floor. Um, the problem is every time he hits the floor, everybody takes a deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big body going down for sure. But, a lot of weight. you know, the only guy you can count on in the NBA to be healthy year in and year out is LeBron James. Well, yeah. Well, Which speaking on that, you know, what's he, a, a 10 to three odds. Yeah. I think that's incredible odds for LeBron to get MVP. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a good opportunity to make some money for sure. Um, you know, I see that going. It could all, you know, with that situation, that could almost be like the uh, the two years that Steve Nash won MVP, where you know he was surrounded by some talented guys, but nobody that you're like really, you know, first ballot Hall of Famers kind of guys, and he just put up wild numbers just to inevitably get smoked by Kobe. In this case, it's going to be Kevin Durant. But right. uh, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think – I think those are good good odds on LeBron to win MVP because he seems almost like – he's about as close to a lock as you can get, um, especially now that they finally, you know, conceded and, and, and gave Harden his, um, which I think was just more like a you're due rather than you deserve – yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, their record was fantastic. Um, 65 wins. That's huge for a team. But uh, more important to the Rockets record than James Harden himself is the system that Mike D'Antoni put in place. He surrounded James Harden with spot-up three-point shooters and a guy like Clint Capella who nobody can stop around the rim. So, you know, Harden's driving kicks – you're kicking to Eric Gordon, who's a lights-out three-point shooter. P.J. Tucker, who's a great three-point shooter. Ryan Anderson, who can shoot the three. Chris Paul, who can shoot the three. Or he throws that little lob up to Clint Capella. So the, the system around him, I think, is more important to their record than James Harden himself. Right. Yeah, no, I, I can see that for sure. Um, so it's funny that you mention him because if we're talking MVP, my pick – is Anthony Davis coming in at plus 400. And I'll tell you why. The guy's been averaging 28, 11, and 2 for the last two years. It's Um, incredible how consistent he is. Right. And in the spirit of consistency, he's now entering that realm where his name is – just a foregone conclusion as somebody that should be in contention. Like he needs to be in that conversation every year. And with LeBron switching conferences, Harden having just one, you know, you got outliers like Embiid for sure that can make some noise. Cause like you said, if he's on the floor another couple minutes, I mean, he can definitely put up the points. I think that with the West being as competitive as it's going to be, it's not going to do anything short of make what Anthony Davis is going to do this year magical because with Boogie gone, he's going to take the Pelicans and strap them up to that gigantic back of his and say, let's go. And at plus 400, I love those odds. Oh, I mean, if he can carry the Pelicans to even the eighth seed in the playoffs. Right. With no Boogie and no Rondo, you're looking at his supporting cast. Drew Holiday, I think, is the best two-way point guard in the NBA. It, it helps that he's you know six seven. He's right. a big point guard, right? But but Etwan Moore, um, Nikolai Mirotic, like come on, the guy's got no supporting cast around him. If he can carry the Pelicans to the playoffs. He's he's got the best case for MVP. Yeah, yeah, and I I I think I think so. I think that as the season progresses, and and he's another one because he had the shoulder injury a couple years back. He's another one like Embiid. 
I just, you know, fingers crossed, stay healthy, and you're in contention for the conversation. And I think that the odds that both of these guys are coming in at are, you know, it's really competitive and compelling to not, you know, to say I don't want to put money on that. And I feel, I feel like Davis is due. I really do. And I think yeah. at plus four hundred, I'm gonna I'm gonna be all over that. Oh, he's. I mean, he's the most talented big man in the league. There's For no sure. question about it. There's not another guy in the league who can hit threes, who can you know dribble down the court and hit a pull up elbow jumper in your face, and who's gonna throw every single thing you bring inside the lane. You know what's wild is NBA.com has him listed at six ten. Yeah, I think it's his wingspan that's the impressive stat. I just I feel like when I see him standing next to other people, he looks like a seven footer. Oh, it's I mean it's 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 his structure and his build. He put right. on a lot of muscle and he's got those broad shoulders and that huge back. Yeah, I think you're right with that. So, all right, on the flip side of that, we're, we were talking about seasoned veterans. Um, what do you got? What are you thinking for rookie of the year? I mean, we watched a lot of summer league ball. So, what do you think about rookie of the year? Um. Taking my man that, you know, I rode with all last year in college. Um, I picked Arizona to win it all. Uh, I'm going with DeAndre Ayton. I don't – everything he showed me in summer league makes me think that he will be rookie of the year. Um, I know you can argue Luka Doncic because he's played professional ball. And he didn't play in a joke league. He didnn't play in Lithuania. No right. offense to the Ball brothers. but Tons of offense to the uh, Ball brothers. I don't like any of them. Go ahead. He, um, <laughs> DeAndre Ayton is a man child. Like the dude is, he is massive. Yeah. If you watched him in the summer league and I get, it is the summer league. It's not, he's not going up against the Anthony Davis as the boogie cousins. I get that. But the guys in the summer league are trying a lot harder than the dudes in regular season NBA do. They're all trying to make a roster spot. Right. So they're putting everything on the floor. And when I see DeAndre Ayton in his first summer league game in the first quarter chasing someone down to block their shot, that shows you how much, you know, tenacity and how much this kid really wants to be successful in the NBA. And I hope he does. I hope he does. And I'm with you. You know, we were in the same bracket pool together. I had on a couple of my brackets, I had high hopes for Arizona. Um, you know, and I like I like Aiton a lot, and I think that of this year's draft class, as far as eyeball test, he's definitely the most NBA ready. Um, body wise, he's looks like a two or three year guy. Um, I'd like to see how his game translates once he gets in there, and it's whatever you know. Say he's getting steady minutes, and we're fifty games in. Let me see how you're holding up, you know, because that first year that that schedule gets grinding on those guys. Um, so that's going to be that's going to be a big test for him. How how can he maintain consistency? So that that's my only thing with him is I want to see, you know, the glimpses that you get at Arizona, you know, absolutely breathtaking. But what do you look like 60 games in? Let me see that. You're going to be better. You're going to be worse. You're going to be tired. You're going to be in your in your element. You know what, what's that going to look like? No, I hear you. Um, he's I mean he's a big dude. You know he only played 
23 or 24 minutes in the summer league. Um, put up 15 and 10, but again, it is the summer league. You know, I mean, you got guys that don't even make rosters that are coming out and balling out in summer league. That's true. You got Josh Hart dropping almost 30 a game in summer league. That's right. obviously not going to happen in, in regular season. It better. It, 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 you know, it'd be nice, but it's not <laughs> going to be better. Gosh, we need it. Um, so, all right. You like, you like Aiton. And I think, yes. I think that's, that's good. What was, the, what did you say? What's he, what's he coming in at? I think it's a plus three fifty. Which plus three fifty. It's, it's him and him and Luca both come at a, at a plus three fifty. I think they're, you know, the co-favorites to win it. So. Okay. All right. Um, I'll tell you who I like, and you know, it, it wasn't until you know we we decided what we were going to talk about that I I put two and two together. But um, I'm not a Kentucky fan, you know this. Oh yeah. But rookie of the year, I think you got a sleeper in Kevin Knox. Um, kid six foot nine, plays every play downhill. Uh, average twenty one and six in summer league again, summer league for sure but had quite a few spurts. And I think one game he dropped like 29 or 32 or something like that. He can score in bunches. Um, And he's also going to be playing on a Knicks team where he's going to see huge minutes. And if he can maintain consistency while getting huge minutes, it's going to, from an eyeball test standpoint, even if he's not as good, make him seem a lot better than he is, which is going to in a major market team like the Knicks going to elevate his stock towards rookie of the year. And they've got him coming in at plus seven fifty. And because of that, like that number, and because of the things I listed, I think that that might be a good play. Yeah. Um, Kevin Knox, I don't think he's as good as Jason Tatum, but he reminds me of Jason Tatum as far as size and length and they both have such a smooth stroke and, and beautiful touch around the rim. Right. And Kevin Knox, um, if you watched him at Kentucky, he thrives when he's got spacing on the floor. Right. I don't know if there's a player in the NBA who creates more spacing than Tingus Pingus, Przingod, Godzingus. <laughs> Godzingus. Godzingus descends from the heavens. I you know, the unicorn. I don't know if there's anybody that creates more spacing than him because he'll dunk on you and he'll shoot it from 32 feet. Right. So I think that helps Kevin Knox case. Downfall. It's hard to win rookie of the year when your team wins 22 games. That's true. But I, I true. you know, if he goes out and he drops 20 a game, this this year's rookie class is not like last year's. I don't think you're not going to see guys take over like Donovan Mitchell and like Jason Tatum did and like Ben Simmons did in his second year. Um, like guys like Aiton and, and Doncic and uh, Kevin Knox, you know, they're going to give you what you would expect out of rookies. I don't. I don't think we have the rookie class that we had last year. Well, I think I almost want to institute this, and maybe going forward, um, you know, I'll, I'll refer to it as this. But I, I feel like Kevin Knox 
has a good chance of winning via the Allen Iverson complex in the sense that he will have talented players on his team, but he will also be a focal point. So he'll get numbers just by default if he can stay healthy. So if it's him and Tingus, how is he not, as long as he, I mean, you know, obviously you can't, you know, just will the ball into the bucket. But if, if he's out there and he's putting up a decent shot count every night, I don't know how the, how the kid doesn't average at least over 15 a game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, minutes, if he's getting minutes and he's getting rebounds and he's averaging over 15 a game, I think he puts himself in great contention to win it. I'm not 100% locked that he's going to win it. I think that Aiton is probably a better play, is a safer play, but I think at plus 750, it's a good opportunity for a guy that has a legitimate chance at plus 750 to win it. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. It's definitely a possibility. Now, we, we you know we're talking about two of the three favorites here in Aiton and Kevin Knox, but you know, the same thing could happen like last year. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell comes out of nowhere. He didn't win it. Should he have? No, Jason Tatum should have won it. But Donovan Mitchell finished second in the voting behind Ben Simmons. Right. There's guys out there that, you know, I think I think I saw Harry Giles coming back off his injury. You know, he didn't play last year. Right. But he's coming in at like 85 to 1 or something right. like that. Right. You know, it's pick a guy that's 80 or 90 to one and throw us, you know, put a stab on him. It's, it's yeah. worth, it's worth the risk because every year there, this, this is the hardest end of the year award to pick because right. you never really know how guys are going to translate from college to the NBA until they play actual NBA minutes. And it's, it's also a little bit more of a popularity contest, I think too, than people give it credit for. Um, NBA, you know, whether they like to admit it or not, takes into account players' cultural relevance. Um, you know, they they try to see who is a star, and then they just pump as much, I don't media attention towards those people as they can. You know, it, I think that it wasn't until you got to like the dunk contest that Mitchell really started to, you know, start ringing people's doorbells. And once that happened, then it was like, oh, we've got some late, you know, some late season uh, market openings where the Jazz are on TV now. Yeah. That's not, you know, normally end of season, you're not watching the Jazz on TNT. No. But all of a sudden, you know, the guy goes out, and shows out in the dunk contest, and now he's showing up on TV. Um, you know, same thing with the whole with the Sixers. The Sixers, they are, you know, they are interesting not only to you know just regular NBA fans, but they're also in, they're also interesting rather to these the the up and coming younger NBA fans too. You know how we would get excited about. I don't know. Remember like the, when the Clippers before Chris Paul got there, when it was, you know, D miles, Quentin Richardson, Lamar Odom, all those guys, you know, they weren't really, 
um, household names, but because of their cultural relevance, they were on TV. So I think the NBA caters to that. And I think the, I think the rookie of the year contest is also a little bit of a popularity contest, like a, who's going to be a future star contest. So yes. if you get a guy with the, that has a personality, can get out there and smile for the cameras and, you know, I don't know, basically be jo- Joel Embiid, you know, yep. be a man of the people. Uh, you have a great chance of winning rookie of the year. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think it's, um, I think there's a lot of guys who can win it this year. Um, it's a like I said, it's a lot more balanced of a rookie class. There's not the stars, but then again, if you asked me this 12 months ago, I would have never mentioned Donovan Mitchell's name. Like, don't get me wrong, the kid, you know the kid was a stud at Louisville. He was impressive. He jumped out of the gym. But my pick for rookie of the year last year, you know, was Dennis Smith Jr., who didn't, you know, he still had a great rookie year. Right. And I actually took a stab on the Finn Reaper, Laurie Markinen, at right. uh, forty-five to one. Yeah, I remember you saying that. But you know, it's it's tough to pick. It's it's like I said, it's the hardest, in my opinion, uh, end of the year award to actually pick the winner. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. So we got we got MVPs and we got Rookie of the Year out of the way. And I think um, you know, as far as NBA goes. Um, you know, I, I was looking around at like some teams over under totals. Did you see any of those that that, that appeal to you? I, I didn't really. I was I was a little hesitant so far. Did you see anything that you liked? Yeah, so I'm going to carry on with my DeAndre Ayton for rookie of the year pick, and I'm going to go with the Suns to win over 28 and a half games. Um, okay. So last year, I think they won 23. I think you know Devin Booker missed. What, a third of the season last year, and they won 23 games. You get Devin Booker healthy for an entire season. The emergence of Josh Jackson, who's actually turning into a really good ball player, surprising yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, they brought in Trevor Ariza. They've got Tyson Chandler. Marquise Chris is one of the most athletic power forwards in the league. Um, Dragon Bender is a good power forward. They've got, you know, you guys who just give you great minutes off the bench, like Isaiah Cannon. Um, you've got the locker room vet and Darrell Arthur. And then you go out and draft a guy like DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges from Villanova. Yeah. He's getting swept under the rug because they drafted Ayton. Mikhail Bridges was up until the championship game when DiVincenzo went off. Mikhail Bridges was the MVP for Villanova in the tournament. Yes, Absolutely. He's a stud. Like, so they played in Pittsburgh. Um, we got to watch them play Alabama. So I got to see Colin Sexton. I got to see Dante DiVincenzo. I got to see Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brunson, all of them live. And, you know, Colin Sexton kept him in it for a little bit. And then Bridges absolutely took over. And the, he's a big bodied small forward who can shoot. Right. And I think that, Six more wins than last year with a healthy Devin Booker who is a top five prolific scorer in the NBA. The kid can just score from anywhere on the floor. You finally got your big man, DeAndre Ayton, who he's got Tyson Chandler to learn from, which I think is which is great for him as far as rebounding and defense goes because that's where he you know, slacks off a little bit his defense, and that's Tyson Chandler's strong point. 
I think they've got a good shot. I think, you know, Josh Jackson can give you great minutes. I think 29 wins is very, very reasonable for the Phoenix Suns. 29 and what would it be? 29 and 53. Yeah. That seems pretty reasonable to me. Yeah, I think so too with that lineup. I think that's a good play. And I think that's one of those lines that as the season gets closer to tip off, that's going to move. Um, that I think those games are going to go up. So that's definitely one that I want to jump on now. Um, if you're listening to this and you can get that, I think that that's a good one to go ahead and jump on because I feel like that's going to change. Do you think that's going to change? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. Um, yeah, I think so too. I think so too, for sure. All right. So before we get way too ahead of ourselves on NBA, because once NBA kicks off, goodness gracious, are things going to get wild around here? Um, you know, we overlooked golf last weekend just because, you know, we agreed that with the matchups, it was just too much too soon. Um, but I want to touch on golf real quick and you and I both have a consensus pick on who we think is going to win. And that's, you know, obvious after today's round, but Brant Snedeker to win at plus 150, having a four stroke lead going into tomorrow. Uh, well, this will actually come out on Friday. So, uh, you know, being re- as of Thursday night, he's got a four stroke lead on a course that everybody seems to be playing well at. I think he's going to hold on. What do you think? Yeah. Um, this reminds me a lot of Webb Simpson at the players. Uh, just come out and absolutely destroy the course they won. And then play decent golf for the next three days and, you know, and, and win and win the event. He comes out tomorrow, you know, and shoots a two under. He's 13 under. He's still going to have the lead at 13 under, in my opinion. Yes. Tee times are going to change for Saturday and Sunday. He's going to be playing at the end of the day. He's going to see what he needs to shoot in order to keep his lead. If he can come out two under on Friday, you know, three under on Saturday, I think a one or two under on Sunday is going to win it for him. Just a, an 11 under. That's just, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, he almost gave himself an insurmountable lead, but we have seen meltdowns before, um, particularly with Spieth. But I, I think that four strokes on a course where everybody's playing well, puts him in position to come out and now he's in consistency mode. If he can just come out and be consistent, like you said, finish around at least one to two under, I don't see somebody coming out and playing the round that he just played today and eclipsing him. So he would really have to fall apart and other people would really have to pick their game up in order to come up and seize the moment over him. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't really have, you, you know, if you can say, oh, Brant Snedger, like he's what, maybe 75th in the PGA this year. Right. Look at the names that are within reaching distance of him. I mean, Jim Furyk is six strokes behind him. Webb Simpson's seven back. Sergio's seven back. I mean, there's not any big names within striking distance of him right now. Right. And if you're going to tell me, you know, if if you're going to say, hey, you can take Brant Snedker 
to outshoot, you know, Ryan Moore, who's in, currently in second place right now. You know, Ryan Moore is going to shoot four strokes better than Brand Snedker over the next three days. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take Snedker on that all day. Yeah. And that's, that's a smart play. Um, speaking of Webb Simpson, he's coming in at plus 1200 to win. Um, and he's seven back. Webb's one of those guys that he can throw two, four under rounds together Friday, Saturday, and put himself in position to be there ready to strike should Snedeker fall apart. Yes, and that that's yeah, that's the thing. If I like Webb Simpson at a plus twelve hundred. Right. But not only do you need Webb Simpson to shoot probably four under Saturday or Friday, Saturday and Sunday to get the sixteen under, you need Snedeker to fall off. Right. Because even if you know, even if Simpson comes out and shoots four under all four days and he's sixteen under, that means Snedeker needs to shoot a six under over the next three days, which is what we said. We said if he shoots two under Friday, two under Saturday, two under on Sunday, that's enough to win him the, the, the event. And I mean, the math adds up. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'll, I'll end it on this. Um, you know, if you think that Snedeker is going to fall apart, Simpsons, your play at plus 1200. I also have Simpson, with a top 10 finish at plus 125. That is as much of a lock as you're probably going to get with this event. Um, I know he's tied for ninth right now, but that's because there's just a log jam. And it's, I like Webb Simpson to at least finish top 10. And if Snedeker falls apart, I don't think he's going to, but if he does, or if you don't trust that pick, and you think somebody's going to come up and steal or seize the moment, I think Webb Simpson's that guy. Yeah. I mean, he's what, two strokes out of fourth place, one stroke out of a top 10. So, right. I mean, he, he's there. So, and you know, so these are, you know, there's some way too early NBA uh, predictions in there, but before the lines move, absolutely. We think you should go ahead and, and get in on it get it while the getting's good and golf updates like by the whole. So if you're listening to this, let Friday play out, then go Saturday. So by the time this comes out and everybody's listening to this, they'll be halfway through rounds on Friday. Wait and see how Friday ends. Then push through on the weekend based off what we're saying here. Yeah. I mean, you're still going to get, I would imagine you're still going to get Snedker at the same price. Yeah. Um, I could see him still having, you know, a four or five stroke lead, which might go down a little bit because he has one less day to blow it. So it might be, you know, plus 130 instead of a plus 150. So I still think you're going to get him around the same price. So, yeah, definitely uh, once you listen, you know, get to the book, find out the current odds as soon as the round's over, and get your play in. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that does it for the, well, this is episode three of the Fistful of Cash podcast. As far as betting is concerned, we want to thank you guys for joining us. If you like what you hear, you like our picks, get on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. 
leave us a four star review. Just review it. Uh, and you know, write something out. Let us know what you think. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Send us an email. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Let us know how you did this weekend. We look forward to hearing from you. And we will be back on Tuesday with the second episode of the Tuesday Touchback. So on behalf of me, Dale Lippin, I want to say thank you. Soup. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Like <laughs> you right. said, leave us a review. Um, any Any criticism. You know, we're here to make this experience better for you guys, and we don't know how to do that unless you let us know. Roger that. Like I said before, you guys could be with any other podcast, listening to anybody else, give their opinion and their two cents, and you're here, and we appreciate that. And we thank you for your time, and we will talk to you guys on Tuesday. Take care, everybody.